Hey everyone, uh, Megan spoke at the large um, women's meeting, East Coast women's meeting today, and I was able to jump on really quick and record her. I missed the very first minute where she's introducing herself, and I was using my phone to pick up the recording, so it's probably not that great, but I did want to share it. So here she is. Um, to be here and I was reminded yesterday on a meeting uh, that was a tradition study that our primary purpose is to carry the message to the still suffering compulsive overeater and newcomers and so that is what I'm going to try to do today and uh, you know just turning it over to the altar of the universe and we'll see how it goes. Um, so I love that reading this morning. I love willingness is the key to happiness. That has absolutely been my experience in this program. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about what it was like. Um, I don't ever remember not being a compulsive overeater. And I know for me at its core, compulsive overeating is an attempt to control how I feel in my body. And um, what that can mean for me is that Food can be either an upper or a downer, um, you know, depending on quantity and type of food. And so I use food to manipulate how I felt in my body. And in fairness to me, I grew up in a pretty chaotic home where there wasn't a lot of um, space for difficult emotions. And I know today, or I have tremendous gratitude for this disease today because I know that it saved my life. It's the only way that I got through my childhood and I'm uh, incredibly grateful for that. Um, so, you know, I pretty much uh, am primarily a compulsive overeater. I learned to binge very young and that continued for me um, into my college years, into um, my mid and later 20s. Um, and in college, I learned to be like a pro dieter. I learned to restrict my calories. I learned to um, be exercise bulimic. And one of the, the one of the differences between being on a diet and um, uh, working this program for me is that when I was on a diet, I still very much wanted to engage in my disease. So I would do things like. I knew exactly the foods that I could get a hit of sugar, get my fix of sugar for the least amount of calories or like how can I consume as much, you know, junk as possible and still stay under my like daily calorie count or whatever and still manage to lose weight. Um, so I learned how to do all those games in college and I really thought like, um, you know, I think this disease for me, I had a lot of shame about what I was doing with the food. So I would do things like, you know, I would have a go out to dinner with friends and have a reasonable dinner. And then I would stop by the convenience store on the way home and pick up my stash and, and binge in secret. And I really thought like, well, this isn't affecting anybody but me, you know, like who cares if, if I'm doing this? Like it's, it's private and something I do. Um, on my own, but I know now from working the steps that that is actually not the case. And if I look at that time in my life, like when I was most insane and obsessed with food and obsessed with weight loss and counting calories and looking at my stomach and all of this stuff, like I am actually still 
doing amends for that time in my life. I am still cleaning up the wreckage of the past um, from that time in my life when really a lot of my relationships started to to rupture. Um, and I can talk a little bit more about working the steps if there's time. Um, so what happened? Um, by my late 20s, I was like binging every single day um, and I could not stop doing it. And I had this this moment of clarity that I now know to be a God shot where I was in the middle of a binge and I put something in the microwave and as I pulled it out, I burned my hand and I had this flash that, oh my God, my compulsive overeating is going to kill me. And I may not have even had the word compulsive overeating yet, but you know, this is going to kill me and there is nothing I can do about it. So that right there is an admission of step one, right? Um, and I knew that it would be, you know, a slow and agonizing death as, you know, it tends to be with this disease, but that it would slowly take my life away more than, you know, it already had. Um, and so from there, I did some Googling around compulsive overeating. I probably learned that term there. I found a meeting. Um, I was living in San Francisco at the time and I went to my first newcomers meeting and I, I really, thought like, you know, I, I can't tell anyone about this. I was so ashamed of what I was doing with the food. Um, but that shame really, I think, kept me trapped in my disease. And on my first meeting, when I said for the first time, hi, I'm Megan, I'm a compulsive overeater. And I started to talk about what I was doing with the food. And I just got nods around the room. This was in person meeting. Um, you know, I, the shame for me started to lift. I, I started to feel relieved and I, I knew in that moment that this is where I needed to be. Um, and then on the way home from that meeting, which was south of the city, I there was a certain fast food restaurant that every time I passed it on the freeway, without fail, I would go there regardless of if I was actually hungry or if it was mealtime or not. And that night, I passed the restaurant and did not stop. And that's when I knew like, oh, this is working <laughs> in some way, it is working. Um, so that was January of 2013 and my abstinence date is July 20th of 2013. Um, so it took me a little bit of time to get abstinent. But what happened for me is I was desperate enough, and thank God for the, the gift of desperation, I was desperate enough to get a sponsor, start working the steps. Um, I, My sponsor at the time, it was like absolutely mandatory that you go to at least three meetings a week. And for some reason, that has always stuck with me. So ever since I've been in program, I've been you know doing that imperfectly, but consistently going to at least three meetings a week. Um, and then sending my food um, to my sponsor, um, and I can talk a little bit about that. And then the other thing that was really important to me, especially when I was a newcomer, was doing service. And so service is what transformed this program into something that I do when I feel like it uh, in the first six months that I was here and not yet abstinent and I could get myself to come to a meeting, um, to being part of the group. 
And so, um, you know, for example, I was the literature person on a 9.45 a.m. meeting on a Sunday in San Francisco, and I kind of resented it, like, if I'm being honest. And at that time in my life, 9.45 was, like, very early. <laughs> um, but then once I was there, I was glad I was at the meeting, and I never regretted it, right? Like, for me, going to a meeting is never a mistake. And so um, that was really important to be part of the group. And now, you know, I have regular service positions at meetings. I've also served at the intergroup level. Um, and when I get asked to do something like this, I say yes, um, if I have the avail availability to do it. Um, so just in terms of what do I want to talk about? I think I want to talk about the steps and a spiritual, the spiritual program um, here. So um, just about a little bit about what happened in 2016, I moved to, to Portland from San Francisco um, and I promptly had a major depressive episode and it's kind of a relationship bottom. And I knew that I had to do something differently in my life Again, I was still working my OA program, but that I needed to um, get to the deeper layers of the onion uh, with my recovery. And I found a new sponsor here that I just love and um, have spent about the last five years working the steps again in a really fearless and thorough um, way that has been transformative um, and healing to my life. And so I can talk a little bit about um what that is like for me. Um, one thing is I did a shame inventory in my step four, which I had never seen before, but that was something that my sponsor wanted me to do. And that for me led me to some, some family of origin stuff that um, resulted in me entering some other programs, but it was really helpful and really healing. Um, and then another thing around the steps um, that I hadn't done before is I know for me, if someone asks me, who do you resent? Like there's a way in which my own ego who thinks of, thinks of myself as a kind and generous person, like it's really hard for me to answer that question. Who do you resent or who are you angry at? Like, I don't even know. And what my sponsor had me do is she had me dump out all of my contacts from every address book, my Facebook friends, um, my Google contacts, every con every person I had ever known and put them on a list. And this is first step four. And then um, she said, okay, if you genuinely have no judgment or anger towards this person at all, you can take them off the list. But if you do have judgment and anger towards them, keep them on there and write it down. And this process of of um, cataloging people and then, you know, turning it over to my sponsor took about 18 months. And what I discovered is that I'm a tremendously judgmental person, right? Like we all have all of these judgments. And what my sponsor would say to me and what I say to my sponsors now, because I think this, this process, people always talk about, you know, like step four is so hard, you get stuck on step four, but I would reframe it as how free do you want to be? How free do you want to be? Because you are actually carrying around all of these resentments in your mind and in your body and they affect your relationships and how you are in the world. And I have found that, you know, um, 
speaking about the reading around happiness that if you just whenever I'm full of resentment it's not a pleasant place to be it's not pleasant to be in my body um feeling like a victim full of resentment and so I just love the process of the steps and four through nine in particular to sort of exhume everything that is there get it out get it to you know turn it over to another person preferably someone who has more recovery than I do um and really that is just a magical and transformative um, process. And um, the other thing that for me was a little bit unique about working the steps um, this time around that was really, really helpful was, um, I guess I, I can talk about, about this. So um, I have a, a, one of my sisters who I am estranged from and hadn't talked to for a couple of years. And I found that when I, I knew that there was like stuff on my side of the street that I needed to clean up. But whenever I went to go and write that amends letter, I still had so much judgment and so much resentment towards my sister that I actually could not get to like a, a heartfelt and honest amends letter at all because I was still so blocked by my resentments, even though I had already been through like the whole, the whole process of the previous steps. And my sponsor had me write a letter that I was not going to send to my sister at all, but um, had me write a FU letter to my sister. And I found that this process was actually incredibly, oh, thank you, Teresa, um, was incredibly helpful because what I started to unearth was that underneath all of my resentment and anger and judgments about my sister's life, there was grief. Underneath all of that, there was grief that I hadn't felt because my sister and I used to be best friends. And now, and at that time, we hardly spoke at all. And then from there, I was able to write a heartfelt amends letter that took ownership over my side of the street um, in our relationship. And um, I, I guess I can end with this. So, you know, it's been a long process. That was about a year ago and we had like one very awkward lunch. And then it, you know, and I was thinking like, maybe this will be our pathway forward to repairing our relationship. I don't know. Um, and I just got in, I haven't heard from my sister in six, in six months. And I got an email from her last week saying that she was ready to talk again. And we're talking on Friday. Um, so that is a miracle of recovery that I can come to this conversation having worked through all of my resentments and all of my stuff. And, you know, I know stuff is going to come up, but to be able to, to come there with an open heartedness and realness, um, and, and I don't know what's going to happen with that relationship, but I'm ready to, to start to repair it. Um, and that's kind of what these steps have the power to do. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll just end with this. Um, for me, a lot of my connection with my higher power is meditation. That's my step 11 connection. And today I know on a good day that I don't have to change what it feels like in my body at all. This moment can be just what it is. I don't have to use food or TV or some other stuff <laughs> to um, change how I feel. And sometimes it's unpleasant in my body. Grief is unpleasant when it comes up. Uh, anxiety is unpleasant. Adrenalizing is unpleasant. But I have the tolerance to be in my body far more today um, than I did nine years ago when I started this path. Um, so I think I'll end there.
Thanks, everyone.